0: welcome to the juggling without balls podcast my name is monica parkin and i am your host and every week on the show i'm going to be talking to powerful successful women who juggle it all and when i say juggle it all i mean everything kids health aging parents careers relationships you name it we're going to talk about it so stick around grab a cup of coffee pull up a seat and enjoy the show Hello, jugglers, and welcome to another episode. My guest today is Zipporah Kingsbury. She is a world-renowned somatic intimacy mentor, relationship educator, and breathwork trainer. She has been featured as a consultant on ABC's The Bachelor. She helps adults of all genders to feel safe in their body and confident with emotional and sexual intimacy so that they can have mutually fulfilling relationships personally and professionally. Her role as a mentor, speaker, educator, and seminar leader is to create a safe environment to embrace your unique love and intimacy language while developing a safe inner dialogue to learn, listen, and evolve at your own pace. Welcome, Zipporah. Okay, welcome, Zipporah Kingsbury, my guest today. I talked a little about in the intro about what she does, but I'm wondering if you'd like to. Give me a little bit more detail and then maybe we can talk about what was the inspiration. Why did you go in this direction? Absolutely. So I'm a somatic
1: intimacy and
0: relationship educator
1: as well as a breathwork specialist. And what I do is I help high achieving adults to leverage their emotional intelligence and to feel a bit more connected to their mind and body so they can feel safe, seen and confident when it comes to creating meaningful connections and intimacy in their life. And so that's like in a really short nutshell.
0: Yeah, interesting. And we'll dive into that more later. I already have questions about what a breathwork specialist is and things like that. But circle back. If I've got those questions, I'm sure other people do too. It is unique. And it's not something maybe when you're six, you grow up and think when I grow up, I'm going to be this intimacy and breathwork somatic specialist. I probably got all the jargon wrong. But what was there an event in your life? Did you have an interaction with someone in this area? And you thought, wow, this is amazing. Like, What led you down this path? it is a long story <laughs>
1: so you can cut me when, when we're ready it's so i was a competitive bodybuilder mm. and i ran a very successful nutrition and functional medicine training business back in the mid 90s and it is linked so back then i was naturally loved caregiving i loved taking care of people i loved loving people unconditionally. And so in my business back then, people would give me the people who needed their handhelds, like needed more nurturing. So that has always been a part of who I am in my work. During those years though, I was very disconnected to, we could say my emotions, the things that didn't feel good. I did a lot of things to numb myself out. And during the bodybuilding, I pushed myself so hard that I woke up one day and I could barely walk. I was going into my fifth year, getting ready for fitness modeling and another competition. And I put on 30
0: pounds in 48 hours. Oh gosh. Wow. So obviously that's a water weight. That's an inflammatory response to your working out. Yeah, that, the body. Happened.
1: Correct. The body was just like, enough is enough. And so that was actually the pivot point for me because in that moment, it was a, I was 27. And it was the first time in my life that I recognized how disconnected and disassociated I actually was from my emotions and my body because Mm -hmm. I was forced to feel the most physical and emotional pain at age 27 that I had felt in my entire life. So you could say that was the pivot point. And I ended up selling everything I owned, sold my business, left my cat on my mom's doorstep, and I moved to the Swiss Alps to begin new studies and to do my own self-healing.
0: Okay. And where were you before? So if I read correctly, you're from Vancouver, BC. Is that correct? Or I'm were all over. On? So
1: I, it's, I'm all over. So I am from Vancouver, BC. Okay. I am in the States right now in Oregon, in the Pacific Northwest. But at the time of my bodybuilding, I was living in Southern California.
0: Okay. So you literally picked up and went to another continent, like clean slate, fresh start. I'm moving correct. somewhere else. Okay.
1: Yes, I went to this little farm village called Kiental um, in the middle of the Swiss Alps in the Swiss German part of town. And I just went, there was a school, there was an international school of shiatsu and cranial sacral. However, that school housed different top leaders and teachers from around the world of all forms of spirituality, conscious relating, human relating, Eastern medicine, body work, all forms of teachings. And I lived there for nine months to reconnect with those parts of myself that I was running from Yeah. and um, that pivoted life for myself. I became celibate for seven years and that was where I started re- changing, changing yeah. what my focus was in the work that I do.
0: Yeah. So you having these internal changes and then you're wanting to reflect those in your daily work and what you do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So did you do your training then there in Switzerland or did this happen? Or is this sort of just the catalyst? and then it Yeah. So
1: my training started there. There's not one training when it comes yeah. to the work that yeah. I do. It's like constant training, but yes, absolutely. It was the beginning. And for nine months, literally, I studied with so many different teachers and methods and did my own self-healing work. And that's where I actually met
0: Breathwork for the very first time. Do you have a particular demographic that you work with or is it very broad? Do you find it's more couples, it's more leaders? Have you sort of funneled down into a niche area?
1: Somewhat. (laughs) I have. Most of my clients are single men, usually divorced or widowed, usually in the age group of 50 to 65. I do also work with couples. And so it's fascinating because in my group events, there's mix, there's women and men, and then there's couples, but often... The men who, high achieving, they've really got it going on in the business world, but they feel like a fraud personally. They have fear of being vulnerable and they don't even know how to access that. Those are the clientele I work with.
0: So Correct. you do group workshops with, with a variety of different people, but when it comes down to those one-on-one private kind of clients, it just need that extra time. That's typically single men. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I would not have... I would not have thought that. And what kind of obstacles? So obviously being vulnerable, is it because they're single and they're looking to be in a meaningful relationship and they don't know how to get to that point? Or what are the obstacles that you're trying to help them overcome? Yeah.
1: Some of the biggest obstacles that seem to repeat in the clients that come to me are they've lost touch with their like, authentic identity when it comes to their personal life. Their identity has been associated with their work and their career. Or if they were married previously, their identity has been associated with as a couple in their marriage. So when it comes to just being able to be them in the world, they don't really know what that is or how to do that.
0: They've always been this other person or part of this couple or dad or whatever, and they don't know who they are when they're on their own. Like, how do I now go out in the world and be me? And who is me, really? Is that sort of what it
1: comes correct? To? And who is me, how to be me in the world today for a man to be vulnerable or say to authentic with the sexuality and connecting in that way, how do you do that in the world today?
0: Yeah. And especially if you're over 50, because the world that you grew up in is completely different than say the world that my kids are growing up in. Those conversations are completely commonplace and normal. Someone that's 50 now, those conversations were not even a thing at that time. So to just even get comfortable enough to even have a conversation around around things like that is is probably just an obstacle on its own.
1: Yeah, and it's also so healing Ah. just to be able to come into this space. I don't know how much, like how often, just to be able to come into a space and be able to talk about things like this
0: and not be judged. Yeah. And to just have someone there with you to actually just figure out who your authentic self is. Because maybe you don't even know who it is because you've been covering it up and masking for so long that you don't actually know. And to be able to be that person in a safe space without, like you say, fear of judgment or anything else, has to be correct, just like this giant weight off of your shoulders, I would think. And what a gift to be that for someone, right?
1: Oh my goodness. When I witness, it sounds strange saying this sometimes, but when I witness a man cry, Possibly for the first time, it's just my heart just burst open because they're crying out of this, oh, like a borderline joy, but also maybe feeling sadness. But the, like it's it's opening, they're opening and they're feeling stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah, and what a privilege to be there for that, to to yeah. be able to witness that and be part of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. you when we talk about obstacles, we talk about things like this without without breaching client confidentiality or anything like that, but can you give me an example or a story of how someone's been able to make that shift or overcome that obstacle or where they were when they came into to working with you and how they left and how their life looks now?
1: I have a couple of stories. I love stories. <laughs> okay, so two pop into my head. So <clears throat> I remember... The client a while ago, he was a surfer. He was almost like borderline professional surfer. And he was CEO of his company. He was really type A and he was just like so good, but that's how he was approaching dating. And so he had this checklist. Like he would literally, that checklist was controlling his dating world. And he also was experiencing erectile dysfunction. And just saying that people might think like, why is that connected? He was so stuck in the agenda. That list was a safety net for him not to be vulnerable. The erectile dysfunction ended up being his also guardedness to not be vulnerable.
0: You can't hurt me if I can't be intimate with you. I can't get hurt. It's probably this giant shield. Like we're all wearing masks for COVID. It's his COVID mask. Yes, correct.
1: And you know what the domino effect was if he was dating someone and they were being intimate and they were in bed and that came up he was unable to even talk about it or be emotionally connected with the person. And it instantly led to a lot of argument and then disconnect. So our work together supported him in discovering that and then starting to feel safe to be vulnerable. And then as he would go out into the world, he just started being himself. And it's an interesting thing because often when people work with me, they don't realize what's happening because it's so subtle. But all of a sudden, people started approaching him. Strangers. so this is what I talk about when I talk about relationships. I'm not talking about romance, but just people interacting with you. People feel like they could trust you more because he's now more open. He's just being himself more authentic. His surfing became like a hundred times better. Here's a flag, every surfer needs to work with you because he was now more aware and present and grounded to his environment, and that meant people also worked with him and came into contact with him differently.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I've, we've got this phrase that I heard in, in another group that someone said that really stuck with me. She's, if you meet three assholes in a day, you're probably the asshole, right? If everywhere you go, you're meeting that guy's got a problem. This person's got a problem. Maybe there's something in you that's actually causing you to perceive them that way or causing that to happen. And this last few years, I've done more mindfulness work, more meditation, things like that. And I'm like, damn, I'm meeting less and less assholes every day. Like maybe it was me. And so it just, it reminded me of that same kind of thing. Here's the thing is most humans live
1: disassociated from their body, but Mm -hmm. we're unaware of it. So we're the manic mind is taken over. We have the agendas, but we're disassociated from this. We just are. And so if we're functioning disassociated somewhat from our body, we're going to be constricted and tight. That's going to, Come off in our body positioning. It's going to come off in our language and the way we talk energetically, physiologically. And people are going to not just feel it, they're going to see it.
0: Yeah. And so much of our language isn't actually our words, right? Like I, it's so much of it is our facial expression, the way we carry ourselves, the energy that comes off of us. Like there's, I could not speak and you could know how I'm feeling. So, Like you say, if you're completely disconnected from your body, it makes sense that the message that you're sending out may not actually be the message that you're trying to reflect. Correct. I was talking to
1: another client, which was my other story the other day. and, And I said to him, I'm like, well what are you feeling? We work a lot with physiological responses and regulating the nervous system because if our nervous system isn't regulated, you're not going to have the capacity to experience as much intimacy as people usually want. It's going to be more intimacy by numbers versus really feeling it. So I said to him, I'm like, okay, so what are you noticing? What are you feeling in your body? Like what happens after a particular process we were doing? And he's just like, I feel more centered. I feel more calm and I feel present. And I said, yeah, so if you feel more centered, calm, and present, isn't that going to mean you're more available for another person and for intimacy? For, and I'm talking about like conversation, deep yeah. conversation, availability for someone else to trust you. And his outcome has been that. his He's divorced. And so his family now... There's this building uprising of trust where his children are, everyone's coming to him now talking about the difficult stuff because he's now more open and he's connected. a safe, he's
0: a safe place now. Right. Yeah. And how rewarding that must be for you yes. too. Yes. So like, how do you know when, I don't want to say graduate, at what point do you let someone go and say, Hey, like we're done working or do you continue to work with someone for the rest of their life? Like how do you, at what point do you pass the torch, so to speak? oh that I don't makes think sense. there's
1: one solid answer for that. Yeah, it does make sense. I usually work with people for three to six months. And it's really depending what they come to me for. So if if I'm if someone comes to me, say for my for three months and weren't working specifically on like de-armoring, working on some emotional trauma or some deep-seated loop in, in their nervous system. Say after the three months, they might now be ready to address some components around sexuality of trying to now starting to bring in a new sexual relationship in their life and starting to learn new skills and awareness in that department. So it just really depends on the person. Yeah.
0: So they might come for one reason, resolve that reason, and then realize now that actually there's some other stuff that I'd like to work on now that I've dealt with this thing. This has opened up some other things for me that that are important to me. Yeah because
1: one one of the things that we do is is we work on regulating the nervous system. Mm-hmm. We address those emotional patterns and those habits or trauma loops that are stuck in the nervous system. And also while we're doing that, we're also building new skills. Yeah. Who growing up has gotten human relating skills. So we're not taught that in
0: school unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I was actually watching this really cool discovery program last night where they're talking about all these billions of neurons that you have in your brain and building these neural pathways. And the more you do something, the more those neurons get adept at it, the better they do it. But it's also totally possible to ask them to build a new neural pathway. And I'm guessing that's what you're doing in your work with your clients is you're building new neural pathways, right? We are, and I say we're
1: reframing their experience and it does yeah. take practice, Like right? It does take a lot of implementation. So coming to me, people do need to be ready to want to implement, want to bring
0: this right into their life. Yeah, here's another question that wasn't even going to be on my list, but it just popped into my head. So you can give them the tools. They still need to do the homework and do the work. Have you ever been in a position where you have to let someone go just because they're, they want the result, but they're not willing to be on the journey or they're not willing to do the work and you just reach a point where you're like, you know what? I just can't help you right now. You don't actually want to be helped as much as, you know what I mean? Yeah. I do.
1: I will say that is discussed before I even work with somebody. So I'm very honest about their participation is a have to in in the work with me. So I will turn people away if that's not where they're at. Like I know somebody who's actually a friend, used to be a client, he's a good friend. And he owns, he's just, I won't take on any form of teaching where I have to implement a lot of practices. He's very honest. He knows. Yeah. Um, he knows. And we had stopped working together, but midstream, I don't think I've ever had to let anybody go. I have have had to have some conversations and just encourage, encouragements. Okay, here we go. That's this. These are X, Y, and Zs. What's coming up for you? Why do you think you're not doing this? Yeah. So we've definitely had to bring that in and then create a reframe and bring them back
0: online. And I assume as they do the work and they see the results, they want more of it. It's just, it's almost like not bodybuilding. As you see those muscles grow, you're like, oh, maybe I want to work harder. This seems to be doing something for me. And when you're doing that mental work and that connection work, then you see the result. Maybe you're also like, huh, oh, this is pretty cool. I want to keep this, keep this going, right?
1: Yeah. I always remind them, I always, I like using leverage because if we can know our why going into it, or like you just said, how does this make me feel? What has the outcome been? And we can use that as leverage every time we start slowing down and stepping back. It is motivation. It is a reminder.
0: Yeah. With COVID this year, it's been a different year. Are you meeting clients virtually? Do you see people in person? Have you had to do a pivot in your business because of that? How has this affected you? I did pivot. I pivoted
1: pretty quickly like every like most everyone else. I did at the beginning of COVID, I actually launched an online interview series which wasn't a product. It was a free offering that I did online and I got together with a bunch of my colleagues from all over the world and we just had classes to offer ways to stay grounded and centered in the midst of the chaos that was taking place. Most recently cuz I live in a very small town, most recently as stuff starts to open up, I do see clients here not many, but I do see some. And then in a couple of months, I do, God, in like a year and a half, I am um,
0: opening up a VIP day for a small group of people. Nice. Nice. Awesome. So what would you, this question I ask everybody with COVID, everyone's had to make these big pivots. What was the biggest pain point? And then the flip side of that is what's been the silver lining? What's been the really cool things that have come out of it for you or the changes that you maybe made that you wouldn't have made otherwise? So much happened in my life with COVID
1: as everyone's. I started fresh. I moved. (laughs) I started fresh in a new town. I gained some amazing new skills for for the online world that I would have never even stepped into before. So I've learned a lot.
0: Yeah. I think those are my big takeaways. Yeah, I've, I've certainly become a Zoom expert, uh, which is something I don't even know if I'd heard of Zoom before COVID. And now I'm like teaching <laughs> workshops on how to use a Zoom feature. Center. And for me, it's opened up like speaking all over the world. Have you found that your clients have expanded geographically? Are you able to help people that are further away than like, maybe you've got a client in Europe or Asia that whereas before they would have had to live in your vicinity? Has that been something that you've seen happen in your business this year?
1: I prior to COVID, Mm -hmm. I was seeing clients on Zoom. You were. Okay. Um, So
0: that wasn't new.
1: It wasn't new. I've lived all over the world. And so I've had connections. I've had clients who I've met in person and then they fly home, say to Austria or a different country, and then we'll continue on Zoom.
0: Yeah. So let's just talk about a little bit of a broader audience for a minute. So we know your main demographic is men over 50, but it sounds like you also work with teams, with leaders, business owners. How... A, how do you work with them and what's the methodology, what's the steps, what's the process and B, how does that improve the way that they lead or the way that they do business? What's the butterfly effect from doing that work?
1: It's becoming more common these days to have more conscious leadership, to have more vulnerability amongst leaders, at least in my world. Like I'm seeing that more and more with public speaking, with team leaders And so that's what my work adds to. I develop mindfulness programs that combine breathwork therapy, communication, so developing emotional intelligence skills and vulnerability in the workplace and seeing that create, like I talked earlier about my clients have more trust, like when they're more centered, more calm and grounded and honest, there's a different camaraderie that starts to be built that where they can set greater boundaries in the workplace, have greater conversations where they disagree on. I think the biggest thing that I'm hearing from my clients in the work environment mm-hmm. are the boundaries. I yeah. think of one client in particular over in the UK and I love his stories because he shares how, you know, he would go to work and he'd be home exhausted and he would always do, do, he would always say yes And even that becomes too much in the workplace. There has to be some sort of, I think, co-work, right? Co-work. And so he started learning how to speak up his needs and his boundaries, not from a place of disagreement, but from a place of, this is how I'm feeling and how about this instead? And so Mm -hmm. I think more dialogue has started to open for people versus you have to do this, yes or no, um, and then hate what you're doing.
0: Yeah, either not doing it, not saying that you'll do it and then resenting it and hating everyone that asked you to do it. And also not being like, why are you asking me this? Don't you, can't you tell that I'm overworked? But instead coming from a place, like you say, of this is what I need at this time. How about we try this and making it more of a collaborative approach. And and sometimes no is yes. Like sometimes saying no actually leads to to other space opening up in your life for other things that, that actually make you more productive at work or at home or whatever.
1: Correct. And it's how you say no. And I think yes. that's a big thing my clients take away is learning how to say no, not from a place of defense, but from a place of invitation. Yeah. Now they're working as humans rather than machines. They're having those dialogues and conversations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And offering other options too, I think is always a wonderful thing. So in terms of, so you're, when you're teaching leaders, teams, whatever, do you, ha- are you doing like a short workshop? Is it a series of workshops? Uh, is there specific content that you covered? You have different topics. Obviously one of those is around the boundaries and, and saying no and the ability to, to obviously create some space in your life and have tough conversations maybe as part of it too, how to have those tough conversations.
1: Correct. So I have one program and that combines the communication, mm-hmm. the emotional intelligence skills, the breathwork therapy, Right. So we combined all of that together in one program, but they personalize their program. So this could be over a weekend, it could be over six weeks. They're really customized to whoever who whoever is coming to me.
0: Okay. So it's not a cookie cutter approach. It's something that you and the client design together. What's going to work for them?
1: The time wise. So the methods I teach are the same. The, same.
0: the time wise is depending on what they want. Gotcha. Yeah. And so let's just come back to that very first question, because you said you're a breathwork therapist and you keep talking about breathwork. For the rest of us that are not completely sure what you're talking about, can you give us a little more information? I can. <laughs> so
1: think about talk therapy, right? When people go to talk therapy, they're working with how your our mind is reacting to the situation. They work with the mind. When you go to, because I use the word somatic a lot as well, when you go to yeah. a somatic therapist, they are looking at how your body is reacting and responding to the environment it's there's so many studies that they're showing that we store the trauma actually in our body and so that impacts our, our actions so breathwork therapy is a somatic approach to utilizing a specific breath to actually access the subconscious to start to create heightened states of awareness and also go into therapeutics where now you're working with the nervous system in order to create regulation in the body and you're along the way you're being able to identify where are those patterns are stored in the body in the nervous system mm-hmm. and how can we
0: change that through the breath interesting yeah i had an experience years ago which it actually sounds familiar it, it wasn't called somatic therapy at the time but i had this just horrible childbirth C-section experience. And I just kept reliving it and I'd have these nightmares and flashbacks. I couldn't walk into a hospital. I would just start having anxiety attacks. And my doctors, you're having like, you're actually having PTSD. You may not be aware of it, but this is what's happening. And she referred me to this lady and we literally only did two sessions, but she just kept saying, this is trapped in your body. Like you're having a physical response every time you go back to that memory and we need to find a way to release it. And it I can't even explain what she did. We talked through it. I breathe, think about whatever. I don't remember it was so long ago, but I know after literally two sessions, that was gone Like, and it's never come back. I've never lived through that trauma again. I'm not having those nightmares. I went on to have more children. My next births were wonderful, but I think it was two hours, like two one-hour sessions. And it was just like, Poof, like it was gone. And I do remember her it was so long ago, but I remember her talking about it being stored in your cells and your body and that your body's holding on to this. And then it's reliving it, redumping those hormones every time, those adrenaline and stress. And it was really phenomenal how how quickly and how effective it was. And, and so it's interesting to hear you talk about that.
1: Yeah. We give those those parts of our system space. I call it our system, our nervous system, our mm-hmm. body. When we give them space through these therapeutic processes, they start to move. Mm -hmm. So I, it's not even, I find it's just giving them space to move like a water, a water body of water that's been dammed. And now through these processes, we start to open the dam and now it has space to move because our bodies are naturally very fluid.
0: Yeah. It was really, it was really a powerful process and it sounds a lot like what you're talking about. So that was very cool. So I want to get to also before we get too far to the end, but you were featured on the TV show, The Bachelor, which used to be one of my favorite shows. Haven't watched it for a while now, but do you want to tell me a bit about that experience? How it came about? and (laughs) What a hoot. Yes. So
1: I have to share the story of how it came about because I just find it so comical. So I received, I don't remember if it was a phone call or an email, but I received something saying, we're looking for a love guru. Now you can imagine if you get an email like that, what are you going to think? I'm like, this yeah. is a total scam. This is really weird. And so they persisted. They've reached back out again. And finally I re- I called them, but again, they didn't say who they were. And so they were scouting in Santa Fe, New Mexico for the show for the next season. I was living in a town called Rancho Santa Fe, California. Okay. So I get on the phone with a producer and she's just, let's have lunch. I'm like, great. Where are you? And I'm just like, I'm not in New Mexico. <laughs> I'm in California. So she was flying back to LA the next day. I was leaving in two days for Canada. I was in San Diego at the time. And I'm just like, I'm going to make this happen. Cause, you know, they did an interview process. And so I went, got interviewed a week later. They messaged me, we want you. And so it was beautiful. I found it was such an opportunity to have 10 minutes. A primetime TV Ah. doing what I do and none of it was acted. I will say that right now. My agreement with the show was I am not an actress. Mm -hmm. I am coming on the show to give a session. These are clients and they will be treated like clients. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, you cannot stop me to say retake you cannot do any of that. I said, but you can do whatever you want to with the material you capture. But you're going to get what you're going to get. Because I said, if you stop me, I'm not going to be able to do what I do because I'm not mm-hmm. acting. I'm actually taking them through deep processes, deep mm-hmm. emotional processes. So that's what we did. And so I was gave them about a two-hour session and they clipped 10 minutes of it together and made it much sexier than it actually was yeah, in real yeah. life. But <laughs> I'm very grateful for that opportunity. They were wonderful to work with.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. That sounds like so much fun. And did other things come out of that for you? Like other opportunities or... Some
1: opportunities did. Yeah. And the fun part is an all I have 3 books now and now every all my material I get to put as seen on the bachelor.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you're in marketing, plug, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> for marketing. Do you have anything coming up? Any events, any programs you want to talk about before we wrap up or anything that I didn't touch on that you would that you'd like to have a conversation? Yeah.
1: So over the big things coming up, we just actually talked about my next 12 weeks ah. with my business team today. So over the next 12 weeks, we're going to be launching a two-day free masterclass that is based on my book, mm-hmm. and that is going to be a free event virtually on Zoom. And then in after the kids go back to school in September is when I will be hosting my first ever post-COVID VIP day event, which is welcomed eight people. It's going to be a small intimate event, but it's going to be in person from like 10 a.m. to
0: 7 p.m. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And the name of the books, if anyone wants to find them. Yeah.
1: So one of my books, my main book is called Revolutionizing Intimacy, Navigating Connection in a Disconnected World. And my latest book, a little edgier, it's called The Soul of Abortion. Yeah, A Compassionate Guide to Emotion Discovery, Healing, and Peace. And both of those can be found on my website as well as on Amazon.
0: Okay. Do you have any parting words, anything else you want to share? Most of my viewers are, as you can tell, women that are moving, a lot of moving pieces, juggling a lot of things. Especially
1: for us women and women listening is, you know, it's okay to slow down. Yeah. It's okay to take care of yourself. Yeah, You don't have to rush into having the answer for somebody else.
0: Yeah. Just talking about this on the last show, actually I had an author, uh, the book's called The Gender Code. And one of the things that she said in there when she was interviewing all these sort of high-performing women that are also parents, and she said the busier they get, the longer their list gets. Instead of slowing down as a response, they dig in deeper, they work harder. They're like, if I work faster, if I work harder, I'll get through this list. When what you actually need to do at that point is to step back and get some perspective. But it's just something that we, I should say we, but because I don't want to speak for everybody, tend to do when you get overwhelmed instead of, you know, going, okay, what can I let go of? What can I, where can I ask for help? Where can I just take a breath here? We tend to just work even harder, which actually amplifies the problem and makes it worse instead of bringing us some relief, which is what we're seeking to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we
1: Same idea. When we pass, there's something called the window of tolerance with our nervous system. And when we, one direction is where it goes hyper, when it gets really fast and heightened, a lot of Mm -hmm. hypervigilance and the fast. And it's just because your nervous system, our nervous system becomes on overdrive. And we're almost bypassing sometimes our window of tolerance where we can't make clear choices and we're just running on autopilot. And that's your nervous system. And the best thing and wherever you're at is Research that self-regulation, home practices, which is the main thing that I do with my clients is that's the first and foremost is we have to
0: know how to self-regulate on a daily basis. Yeah. And real quick, because of just another question, but long-term consequence of that, the long-term consequence of your nervous system just running cortisol all day long, adrenaline all day long. Like, how does that affect us when we're in our fifties and sixties and we've spent our entire life just running on fumes? Like what is the long-term ramifications of that? I assume there has to be some health consequences. Of
1: course. I would say weight, stress, heart. Like these are just common sense to me. If you're living hyper-stressed, the heart, but emotionally, right? So unavailable, Yeah. not feeling and never feeling fulfilled because it's a cycle internally. So if I'm feeling unfulfilled because I'm like spinning because I just can't slow down yeah, the hamster field, wheel, then you might be reaching for your partner to save you. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's detrimental for relationships as yeah. well.
0: Yeah. And the good news is if you're working with people that are in their fifties and sixties and they're seeing change that it is, it's never too late. It's never too never late to too make late. those changes. Go ahead, look up Zipporah's stuff, maybe grab a workshop or a class, do some reading, and. Uh, And it's never too late to make a different choice, to choose a different path. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. That's it for this week. To get more information on any of my guests or to book me as a speaker at your next event, please visit jugglingwithoutballs.ca and you would totally make my day if you left me a review or you sent me an email at monica at jugglingwithoutballs.ca and let me know what you got out of this week's episode. I'm hoping to read some of those reviews, and some of those emails on future episodes. Have a great week jugglers.